Welcome to iSpeaks, the podcast bringing you the voices of the International School of Paris. I'm Steph from the Advancement Office, and I'm your host. So we finally launched our podcast, but that doesn't mean we've stopped telling the stories of ISP on our social media or on our website. You can follow us at International School of Paris on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or at isparisedu on Twitter. And don't forget about our blog at www.isparis.edu. This episode is all about leadership, and not just because it's so important during this time of crisis. We've been examining leadership throughout the 2019-2020 academic year. In early December, we held Complexity Hub 7, our biannual debate series, where we heard from recognized student and parent leaders. We also co-constructed our definition of leader, which includes attributes such as communicator, determined, motivated, visionary, passionate, confident, responsible, and caring. More recently, Carol Renero, an ISP alumna, visited the high school campus. Her job is to lead leaders, and she volunteered to help ISP students hone their leadership skills. Her introductory course on leadership was a success among participants. She's here today to tell us about it and to add to our definition of what it means to be a leader. Carol, let's start with some advice. How can students continue to be leaders despite the cancellation of most of the spring semester and of a lot of the activities that would have allowed them to practice leading? The first thing that comes to mind is something that we've been trying to do at work as well, and that's something that different students have tried to do as well in the UK, which is using, you know, using Skype and using video calls and phone calls to continue working on a project if it's a project that you think can be done online as well. So it could be planning something creative together or that you're going to present at the end when the whole pandemic <laughs> is over. There are a lot of opportunities for students to get involved with volunteering online, like not just like tutoring or mentoring online, but opportunities with environmental organizations as well who are collecting ideas around how can we continue to improve our environment? How can we continue to make changes, especially now that we have climate change and, and, and global warming and all of that. So I think it really depends on what students are passionate about. So I guess the first question would be, what is your passion? What is it that you care about? And it's hard to feel quite demotivated, uh, unmotivated at this time of the pandemic, because you might feel like, oh, I'm passionate about whatever it could be, say global global warming, like I said, or climate change, but mm -hmm. I can't do anything about it because I can't travel. I can't go speak to people about it. But actually, you know, there is a lot that you can do online, a lot of projects that you can get involved in. So I think that's the first question that, that students definitely need to, to ask themselves. And something that we've, uh, that we've tried to do as well uh, to maintain kind of learning and to keep learning motivating is organize online quizzes in small groups. So we either do it with 10, 15 students in a year group, they organize a quiz around the topic and then they support each other in their learning and they do that through Skype, through Zoom or via, via phone as well. And that's something that has helped them to be motivated as well at this time, because I think that's something that students might feel as well is, oh, like the AB has been canceled, there are no exams, like what, what can we do? So I think that's something that they can definitely get involved in. And then if there are other students who are not necessarily keen to do things in groups, there are lots of exercises that you can do on your own to just keep yourself motivated, to understand yourself a bit more as well, what you want to do in the future, especially if you're in year 12 or 11 or even year 10. And I can, I have some exercises as well that I'd be happy to share with you. 
after this after this podcast that I'm happy to share with the students as well just to have a think about where they're at with their learning where they want to go so sort of like self-coaching exercises that students can get involved in as well so I think it depends on what they're what they're interested in I want to go back to you now Carol and hear more about why you became interested in helping people develop their coaching mentoring and leadership skills I'm Italian. My parents are Italian, but I was born in Switzerland. And then we moved to, to France, to Italy, the United States, back to Paris, then London for university. So I've been all around, but in the West, I would say overall. I grew up as an expatriate, so as a third culture kid, like many students at ISP. So I moved to different countries because of my parents' career. And then I moved to Paris when I was 16 um, and I attended ISP for two years. So that's where I did the IB. If I have to think about ISP and you know what I took away from it, obviously many things, but I would say one of the most cherished memories that I have is the diversity of ISP and just being in a place where I was surrounded by people who were from very different backgrounds, from very different countries, who spoke different languages and just kind of walking around campus and hearing people speak French and English and other languages. And after having attended like an American school and a French school and an Italian school, for me, it was a way like ISP gave me the sense that I finally found a place to call home, which I haven't felt before then as much because in other schools, I was always Kind of the one who came from the outside or like the outsider who came in and didn't speak the language and had to adapt to the culture and the country and i think isp is the kind of place where no matter where you're from you can be yourself entirely and i really felt that um so i have wonderful memories from those two years because that's the encouragement that we had from from teachers and from classmates like there's no things like like racism as well like bullying bullying and all that i feel like it's something that is was not there when i was there and i thought that, that was quite unique of ISP. So that's where I got to when I was about 18. And then um, I actually had an amazing university counselor at ISP who helped me to figure out what I wanted to do um, after school. Um, and I, I realized that I was passionate about cultures and understanding people and, and languages. So I kind of followed that passion and studied anthropology at university at LSE in London. I really liked the course. I, you know, it was also obviously London. I was very excited because it's a very international place as well. And I kind of followed that path and I volunteered a lot when I was in university. And that's where I got involved in coaching for the first time um, and education more more specifically. So I volunteered as a coach, as a mentor, as a tutor as well. So I kind of did education in different fronts. And then when I graduated, there was an opening for a full-time job at this social enterprise, which is where I currently work. Uh, so I've been there for about two years now. We support students from disadvantaged backgrounds across the UK with their grades, their confidence and their independence. And we do that through one-to-one -one coaching programs um, where we train university students to coach in schools um, and support the students with those skills. Um, and I really, really love this job and where I got to now because I'm just very passionate about coaching. I just kind of realized through this job that this is what I wanted to do. And I also got involved in an executive coaching course. So I'm an executive coach on the side, meaning that I support young professionals with their career, kind of understanding the direction that they want to take in their career, where they want to go next, making important decisions. All that is something that I really, uh, that I really care about. And so I thought to myself, why not try something new in ISP? I thought about all the schools that I attended and all the experiences and I thought to myself, if there was a way for me to give back to ISP, it would be through something like coaching because I'm taking my skills, I'm taking my passion and I'm 
taking it back to where to where everything started in a way to to where to you know giving back to a place that gave me so much you've become a role model but who helped you get there is there someone you particularly admire yeah so actually i'm going to use a cliche but i'm going to use my dad because um i actually talk about him in my coaching trainings in my workshops i think i mentioned him many, many you did times before i think you i think you uh, mentioned him when you were at isp if i remember correctly exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know i admire the fact that he's been a very a big source of, of challenge I always kind of thought that i could do better you know whenever i brought home you know a grade that could have been a bit better or kind of came up came to him with an issue that i was facing at school or outside of school and i came to him with it he never kind of gave me the answer straight away. He never really told me off in any negative way, but he always used that constructive language to empower me to do even better. So obviously at times he was quite strict, um, but in always in a, in, in a way that was for my best, um, best uh, interest. And I think now that I look back, I realize in some ways he was, he was coaching me all along. It's just that it didn't have a term. You know, the term coaching is something that I wasn't aware of, but I think he was using that approach of, showing guidance but in a way that best fit me as an individual and asking me questions rather than telling me what to do and over time that really helped me with my confidence and then independence and I know that I'm I'm one of the lucky ones obviously it's it's something that I know some of my peers talk we talk about that with some of my colleagues and, and I know that not everyone has had the same experience with their families and, and that's why I'm very very grateful for that and I think I am the way that I am in big part because of what my dad um, did for me and what he taught me. And I can see the way that, you know, speaks to, to other people as well. And he has this kind of strong kind of character. And I think that that's something that he's always uh, transmitted. So I would say challenge, empowerment, and obviously support. Tell us about your work with ISP students. What type of training are you providing to help them become leaders? What we want to help young people to develop is these softer skills that employers really look for and that even universities look for, partly knowledge, but partly this idea of active listening and asking powerful questions and, and showing emotional intelligence, which is something that is key to leadership as well. And I know that that's a theme that ISP has been exploring for a while now, but I think those skills are key in, in any, any form of leader, a young person leader or a manager who has been working for a company for 30 years. Like those are the kinds of skills that we want young people to develop at a young age. Um, so the kinds of exercises we did were around um, how do we listen to each other properly? How do we kind of stop ourselves from you know, having the, those inner thoughts racing through our minds when we listen to somebody else? How can we show that we're present in, in a conversation? And what kind of questions can we ask to not um, give the person the answer straight away? So something that coaching tries to do is ask questions so that the student or the coachee is able to get to those answers on their own without having someone to tell them what to do. And I think that can be extremely empowering in the long run because subconsciously what you develop is confidence, independence, precisely because nobody tells you what to do. You have to solve those issues on your own. So a coach is some sort of kind of guidance, partly a mentor, um, helping students to, to do that. I was very impressed actually with, with what the students came up with. Um, they came up with you know, personal experiences around when they gave people advice and how that was bad advice. So how could they have done things differently? We had a discussion around that as well. They did some pair work as well, just to get those practical skills um, going, basically. Uh, had a discussion around the challenges that they faced, um, 
some students mentioned that it feels quite unnatural, for example, to listen in that way, but that it can be very useful when someone comes up to you with a problem, you know, showing that emotional intelligence and that patience to... A few of the terms you mentioned in your description of your work with ISP students are not in the ISP definition of leadership. Coach, mentor, active listener. These terms should definitely be a part of the ISP definition. Can you go back to these words and tell us the precise difference between coach and mentor and between listening and active listening? So a mentor would say things like, based on my experience, I would do this, or I suggest that you do this. So you use your experience to guide where somebody else is going to go. That's Mm -hmm. mentoring. Coaching is a much more self-directed approach. So the coachee kind of decides what they're going to be doing, decides how they're going to get there. So the coach would ask open questions only. So questions that you cannot answer yes or no to. So there's no guidance or barely any guidance. And you would ask things like, um, what are you going to do about it? What is stopping you from achieving your goal? How could you go from here? Who could you ask for support? So a great coach asks really good questions, but is not there to tell you what to do or to give you advice because we believe that, you know, even if we've been through similar experiences, advice can still be harmful if you don't have the full context of, of what the person's going through or they're a very different age from you or a different background from you. So I, this is obviously my personal opinion, but mm-hmm. I do think that coaching can be much more empowering and useful in the long run if we look at the very long-term of time frame. So I think active listening is not just about listening to what is being said in a conversation, but to how it's being said. I think that's the key difference. Mm-hmm. When you're listening to someone like a friend in a normal conversation, you're walking to the metro or something, you're just listening probably. You're kind of listening, you're kind of thinking about what you're going to have for dinner, what you're going to be doing later, kind of answering, but you're not necessarily very present. Whereas active listening means that you are entirely focused on what is being said and also the body language of the person that is speaking, what is being said between the words, between the lines. Are you thinking about yourself while you're listening or are you entirely focusing on that person? And I think it's something that doesn't come naturally because obviously we speak to friends and family, even colleagues. We have a lot of things going on in our mind and I don't think you can be an active listener all the time. I think if someone comes up to you with an issue or in the workplace as well, it can be very useful to just take a step back and think, am I actually paying attention to what is happening around me, to what the person is saying and how they're saying it? So I guess that's the, that's the difference. Carol, you've helped us expand our definition of leadership. Tell us now, who can be a leader and how this person can contribute to a successful team? I do believe that leadership is a lot more about who you are as a person, how you behave with others, your emotional intelligence when you're speaking to other people, and the level of self-awareness that you need to understand who you are and, and you know your values and what you want to do with those values. And eventually you're able to empower people with that self-awareness and with that knowledge, that emotional intelligence. So you know, you might have adults who are leaders in terms of their title, like they're managing a project in a team in a company, or they're leading a team, but they might not be leaders really because of the way that they behave and the way that they treat other people in that company or the way that they might not understand individual needs in that team, for example. Whereas you might have an 18-year-old who is able to inspire his peers to do a project together because he understands the purpose of that project. He understands why it's important and he understands even more importantly, um, what his peers need, you Mm. know, what his peers are passionate about, what they want to do. And so I think if you take these two examples, clearly 
you know, just because you're older doesn't mean that you're more of a leader than someone who is younger than you. And I think that that's a big misconception that some people have when they when they work. Um, obviously, to have that level of self-awareness of who you are, your values, empowering others, you need to be old enough. Obviously, I wouldn't say someone who is, well, you could argue someone who is 10 can be a leader <laughs> in some ways, but I think there is that level of self-awareness um, that obviously comes in when you're young adults, like 18, 19, 20. And for some people, it will come later. And I think that's totally fine. But we definitely should break that idea of I'm older, therefore I'm more of a leader than you, because that's I think that's entirely fake, really. First, you need to know who you are to, to be a leader. You can't just think about other people. If you don't understand yourself, then you don't really understand others. I really, truly believe that. A true leader leading a team would maybe set the vision, set the guidance for this is where we want to get to in two months for this project or in one year, depending on how long the time frame is. And then your role is not to stand at the front and tell people this is what you're supposed to be doing, this is what you are supposed to be doing, and this is where, you know, Carol will be in two months' time. But mm. actually, you're trying to lead from behind. You're trying to kind of watch where people are going, redirect them in the right path. If you feel like they're going in the wrong direction or if you feel like something is being misunderstood, but it's really taking a step back, using those listening skills, using those questioning skills, and having that always that, that vulnerability to talk, to talk about, this is how I failed, this is how the team has failed, and this is why we need to move forward. It really brings the team together, um, mm -hmm. and you encourage discussion from every single team member. That's very important as well, is that sometimes leaders might start talking, um, and then they don't realize that actually there's that one person that has never spoken in any of the meetings because they're not very confident or because they're quite new to the team, and that happens quite often, and it's very easy to forget people in the room so I think there's also that self-awareness and that presence that you can definitely have when you have those skills because you walk into a room and the first thing you look at is the people in the room rather than what you are going to say, rather than thinking about this is what I'm going to say next. This is what you know needs to be done by the end of the day. But actually, I'm looking at the people first. I'm, I'm seeing who is in the room and, and what they need. And I think it comes, you know, it, it will come naturally the more you do it. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much, honestly, for having me. It was it was. When I saw your email, I, I was really, really happy to be a part of this. And I hope that I can continue to support ISP. I know that we'll be in touch in the future, but I would absolutely love to give back to my community even more. So that's something that I definitely want to say to all the students in your school that, you know, I'll, you know, I definitely want to contribute to their, to their learning and, and to their development in terms of these skills as well that we spoke about. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Carol. If you're inspired to learn a bit more, head to our blog at www.isparis.edu where you can read about Complexity Hub 7 and find the exercises Carol promised. I'll catch you on the next episode of Ice Beaks.